Have you ever found yourself intimidated or overwhelmed or just uninspired with the typical idea of resolutions, which we can have at any time of year, but are particularly common at the start of a new year? And yet perhaps you feel like you need to be doing something differently because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So what's the solution? Are we going to have hard, white-knuckling resolutions to push us to something new through the year? Or is there a better, softer, gentler, but extremely effective, different way to do things? Well, hello, gorgeous one. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. Here, we combine pleasure and purpose to liberate women into their divine assignment of being the fullest expression of fierce femininity. My name is Jackie Lacroix. I believe that pleasure is a life force, beauty is for you, and your sexual design is the key to your greatest fulfillment and calling. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Bombshell Manifesto, and I've mentored women in body, beauty, business, and intimacy with God, themselves, and men for over 10 years. Each week, you'll receive a different edition of Bombshell Radio, focusing on one of these areas, all designed to inspire you and help you optimize every area of your feminine design so that you can live your biggest, most beautiful life. If you've been longing for a place where you can merge your spirituality and your sexuality and enter a conversation that honors your body, your beauty, your business savvy, and your faith, welcome home. Let's get started. How's it going, my friends? So have you given up on your New Year's resolution yet? (laughs) I know that's not tremendously encouraging, but as I record this, it's end of January, early February, and the statistics show that by this time in a new year, most people have ditched their resolutions at the curb. And maybe others have told themselves, it'll still work out, I'm just taking a little break, and then I'll get back at it. But what it often leads to is one, unachieved goals, or two, maybe an achieved goal that is just back-breakingly difficult to arrive at all year because of the energy of angst and insistence and white-knuckling and all of that junk that I described in the intro to this podcast, and or somewhere mixed in with one or the other of those two outcomes, a lot of guilt and self-loathing maybe, or shame or berating that we didn't make it happen yet again. Well, my goal in this podcast is to release you of all of that and to share a different approach that I have to resolutions that I now love. And in fact, I don't even always use it, but in the years that it aligns, I allow myself to step into it this way. And then a couple of my own personal resolutions so you can get an example of what that looks like. How I would best describe this totally different style of relating to the concept of a New Year's resolution is a soft resolution. And you might say, Jackie, how on earth am I ever going to achieve a goal that I haven't been able to achieve yet by being soft with it? Everyone is telling me I need to have some kind of chart 
in every room of my house and it needs to be smart measurable I don't even know what SMART stands for anymore. It needs to be the full acronym of things that I'm then supposed to obsess over and track the metrics of and measure and be upset with myself for not. It's just, it's miserable even to describe, isn't it? The only time it's fun and exciting is at the beginning when we think that unlike every other time we've done this, this time, if we just push ourselves hard enough through a system, and some kind of firm protocol, it must definitely work. And that, as I said, is the definition of insanity, right? Trying to do the same thing and expecting a different result. So here's what I do instead. And as with anything I share or recommend, I invite you to step into it if it feels good and nod, smile, and ignore it if it doesn't. But the way that I have found to most assure my success which I'll define in a minute, whenever I recognize that I would like a different outcome is to approach a goal from a certain stance. Now, first let's define success, right? Because when I have something that I would like to experience differently, in other words, something I want to change or something I want to achieve or something I don't want to have to deal with anymore, my vision for success with that endeavor or ideal outcome is that I attain it, whatever it may be, without disrupting the rest of the success that I've already built in my life, right? So for example, if I were to have a health and fitness goal and achieving it was so demanding that my business fell apart, right? Or close relationships fell apart, then that's not success. I want the addition of the outcome, or maybe it's a subtraction of an undesirable you know, experience we keep having or something, but I want it to be on top of things that are already working in my life being healthily maintained. Yes? So if I want to achieve a new level of health and fitness, I want to do it while my relationships are flourishing. If I want to achieve a new relationship, I want to do it while my business keeps growing or at least sustaining healthily. If I want to achieve a new business goal, I want to do it while my health and fitness and my relationships are blossoming and my relationship with God feels good. I want my whole life flourishing in the ways that I have already achieved a decent level of mastery and... I want the new thing too, all <laughs> right? So I invite you to consider your definition of success firstly as not just hitting some goal or reaching the outcome, but as achieving holistic mastery with a new addition of this extra delicious additional desire. A lot of clients will come to me and they'll have a specific goal or they'll say, this is what I want to do. And I will agree with them that it sounds fantastic and that that's definitely something we can work toward, but I will remind them that they will be miserable if they achieve that goal and everything else that they love and value and already have beautifully balanced in their life falls apart. Now, some people will tell you that to achieve a goal, you have to shift certain things out of balance so that you can get the new thing into, you know, the overall system of your life. And are there certain periods where intense focus or concentration may be required? Yes. But generally, I don't see the people who describe 
goal achievement that way as some of the most fulfilled people I know. <laughs> How is that? And as I heard recently, fulfillment is the new currency. Fulfillment is the ultimate luscious achievement of life. It's no longer money and obviously health is required to enjoy it, but even those who may have health struggles can often find themselves living in daily joy. And so fulfillment has become the great quest. I think it always was, but as so many more people are more easily becoming successful in material ways, it becomes only more and more obvious that fulfillment must mean more. So when we're heading toward any goal, I believe that we're required to look holistically at the things we would like to maintain while adding or achieving this new goal, experience, or desire, because otherwise we won't be happy <laughs> at the end of the year. And if some subconscious part of ourselves says, but I will be happy when I hit this goal, we have to remind ourselves that if we hit that goal and lost everything else, the happiness that we think is on the other side of that goal will not be there when we arrive. So what that does is it informs then the way that we go about achieving that goal, right? So if I decide that I have a health and fitness goal, but then I deeply value personal relationships, right? Then I might not be getting up at 4 a.m. every morning. Let's say that hypothetically you have a partner or you're in a couple and you would like to connect in the mornings. Well, if you're leaving the bedroom before the crack of dawn every single day, you either need to build in that connection time at a different point or you need to say, you know what, it's going to work perfectly well if I wait till seven and then while he's doing whatever he does in the morning, I go get my run in then, right? And we still have a moment together and I'm still fitting in the kind of activity that's going to move me closer to my personal goal. So it instructs and informs how we build in the daily behaviors and activities that are going to move us toward the goal because it's given us a more holistic mindset of the total picture of success that we actually want to achieve and that we're not just tunnel visioned with blinders on toward the one new thing we want, but we're adding it to this beautiful ecosystem of a well-lived life. So that's part one, looking holistically at the entire daily experience of our lives and all of our priorities and not forgetting, which can be so easy to do, the things that maybe we have already mastered so sufficiently that we don't even realize that we are going through tasks that maintain that mastery. And so if we were to suddenly shift the way we live to hit a new goal, we might lose those daily activities of mastery in those other areas and therefore the mastery in those other areas, right? So we're looking holistically at how we are living our lives already and what's working and then figuring out what pieces of those aspects already working are essential that we do not want to disrupt or remove as we add in or alter somehow to also achieve this additional goal. We're adding the goal to continued mastery rather than losing everything we've already built while we're so focused on whatever it is that we want next. Okay, so that's part one. Now part two stems beautifully from that because when you're looking holistically at your life and you're acknowledging all of the things that you're already doing quite well, you realize that these 
sorry, I hate to be so blunt and direct here, but you're going <laughs> to, you're on my podcast. So you're going to hear my opinion, but these ludicrous, massive life overhauls where they instruct you to, you know, just throw out everything you own or go from eating absolute trash food to celery juice for 14 days. I don't even know what they are because I pay no attention to them, but these ridiculously dramatic, you know, changes that are supposed to make us feel excited. Like we're finally doing the thing. But they usually are such dramatic changes that they're either unsustainable unless we are taken to some isolated environment, and even then we have to figure out how to integrate it back into our real life when we come home, or again, like I just described, they disrupt so many of the other parts of the ecosystem that we've already built that are working really well. So if we're looking holistically at what we want to maintain and build on, I want you to think of of an empress or an emperor, just this highly sophisticated, cultivated, wise, savvy person who's building something greater and adamantly refuses to lose the beauty of the the body, the family life, the peace at home, the work-life balance, whatever it is that they already treasure. They're way too smart to toss all of that out, to get on some 4 a.m., you know, military-style boot camp celery juice fast that's going to make their entire family hate them (laughs) and them hate their own life. But they feel like this is finally, and it's who cares if it gets a result, if that result can't be sustained in the ecosystem of everything else they want to keep in their life too. Right? So instead we can't help but naturally realize that our shifts are going to have to be more subtle. Now that doesn't mean that the changes they create can't be dramatic. In fact, sometimes they're extremely dramatic. But it does mean that they must be durable. And that's one of the reasons why the changes that are created by them can be so dramatic is that these new behaviors stick around enough because they're sustainable enough that we actually do see long-term change and not just two weeks of overly motivated, high-energy before we burn out and give up, right? Which is generally the cycle of a New Year's resolution that's abandoned by week three of January. (laughs) So if you think through what are the changes you'd like to see and you consider everything that you'd like to maintain and that you're already in mastery of and the essential pieces of maintaining that mastery because of course there's inevitably all kinds of fluff in our lives that doesn't really contribute to the essentials that we most treasure then you can start to look at, okay, what small tweaks can I just pivot a little bit so that it's inevitable that I fit in this new activity because it's so non-disruptive to my already normal routine and what I already love and what I already do and where I already tend to be. How can I ease this activity into the ecosystem I already have so that it's so effortless almost to allow myself to participate in that each day rather than forcing or pushing myself through something I hate. And because I already enjoy it and it doesn't disrupt very much, it's easy to do. And because it's easy to do, I keep doing it. And because I keep doing it, the result of repetition with it becomes inevitable, right? Whether it's how you're taking care of your body, how you're organizing or maintaining your home cleanliness, how you're shifting things you run in your business, how you're relating with your husband, your wife, your kids, whatever it may be, right? So 
if we can allow ourselves to make small shifts, then we have to say, okay, if I'm going to be considering the full picture and I'm going to be making the small shifts, well, what small shifts do I need to make, right? If I'm only going to be incorporating a few new small things to ensure that I actually maintain them and that I maintain what I've already built, how do I know what those things should be, right? And the way that I've come to see that is through considering what I call non-negotiables, new non-negotiables, or never agains. <laughs> Right. So I know many of you here and more and more guys are starting to listen to me. Hence my saying, you know, whatever you want to maintain with your wife. But I know most of you are still females here. And so maybe for you, a non-negotiable is a boundary around how you interact with your children or how you interact with your children's school or with other parents or with your own parents. Maybe it's a small relational shift and it takes a little bit of work, right? Which is why these resolutions are so effective is this is not just rah, 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 buy someone's $49 30-day fast program, barely make your way through it if you complete it at all, and then default to what you used to do. This is coming into your life like a laser. It's fine-tuned. It's highly specific. It needs to be very accurately targeted so that we can get this maximum result with minimum disruption to everything else around it that's already working so well. Okay, which is why this takes some serious thought. So you start to look at what is frustrating you most. And sometimes, especially when you're very actively feeling the frustration, it can feel like everything, everything in this particular area is frustrating me, Jackie, the whole thing is annoying. But that's not usually the case. And even if it is, there's usually one or two or maybe three things that specifically drive you absolutely nuts. And even if fixing that one piece isn't immediately the answer to the entire problem, it starts to relieve the frustration and maybe a little bit of the workload or the time loss to doing, you know, repetitious tasks in an inefficient way that then free up your time to look at the rest of the picture and figure out what you could take out next. So it almost becomes first in a line of dominoes. But to figure out which is the first domino and which small little area in the overall feeling of frustration needs to be attacked first takes a lot of thought and a lot of watching yourself do what you do until you can identify exactly what tasks or behaviors are some of the ones that are causing the problem. And it takes a lot of honesty and even self-awareness and humility to say, this particular thing that I have been so dedicatedly doing is really freaking dumb. <laughs> it's not serving, it's sucking my time, and maybe it's you know a comfort zone or some kind of coping mechanism almost or way of checking out, but I can check out and, you know, in another way and rest and restore and relax and escape kind of from whatever happened that day to recover from it in a different way that doesn't create this side effect problem. So for example, in my business, one of the things that has driven me up the wall <laughs> over the last maybe third of last year is not having a consistent podcast editor. 
and I have listed the jobs and I have described exactly how I like to do things and I have all the videos showing them, you know, as soon as I give them a test job and then potentially hire them, these are the steps to take, et cetera. But I kept having people basically do a great job on the first few and then vanish on me, <laughs> which would lead me to recording a podcast that would never go live because in my mind I thought, well, I'm not going to do this myself because I can hire this out for not very much. I can then be doing other things. But because I was then not having someone who could do it at that rate or at all, then I wasn't getting the podcast out at all. And when I had a backlog of podcasts that weren't getting out, I stopped recording them. And I love recording these. It's so much fun to me. And I know you guys love them. It's one of your favorite ways to hear from me. So it was frustrating me that I wasn't getting the podcast out more regularly, right? So let's just use this as our example. That was the overall frustration. And it felt like a great big problem. And I wanted to whine and I wanted to blame people. And I wanted to write angry emails to the people I had hired, which I did not do. But when I had the self-awareness and the humility to step back and say, okay, well, what is the first domino of this frustration? It was me, quite frankly, being insistent on outsourcing it every single time, right? Because I can, and thank you very much. I'm quite proud of myself. I finally actually figured out how to do it myself. I've outsourced my podcast for so many years, friends. I didn't know how to add my own intro onto my own audio, you know, main part of the podcast. I figured it out. It was very easy. And when I realized that if I remove this insistence that every single podcast must be published by someone other than myself, I can actually get it out live myself in under, you know, five minutes, anytime I want to while I continue to look for someone who's a more durable long-term hire for this role, right? And that has just given me so much joy. <laughs> but the the first domino of the frustration was realizing that it annoys me to not get podcasts out more regularly. I love them for marketing purposes. I love them for connecting with and nurturing my audience. I love them for the inspiration they give you guys. And I had that deep love and desire without the fulfillment of actually getting it done. And again, that was the overall frustration. That would be how maybe if I were going to a coach myself, I would describe the problem and be like, oh my gosh, why can't I find anyone who's, you know, consistent? When in reality, what I just wanted was regularly published episodes. And if I allowed myself to be the person, oh my gosh, who pushed the button myself, then that would take that frustration off of my plate while I looked for someone to actually be in that role, right? So I kind of had to step back and say, I can sit here and just pretend that the problem is other people, or I can look for where I am a part of the problem, remove that frustration, and then allow the other things to fall into place while I make that micro change that relieves the frustration while I'm fixing the bigger problem. Okay, so now I'm, I think, going to be able to get podcasts out much more regularly because I've figured out how to do it myself very quickly, very easily, which has removed just the entire emotion of, oh my gosh, I have so much I want to say, but why should I even record? Because it's not even going to go live because it takes these people a month to, you know, et cetera. That doesn't mean I'm not going to work for an even better iteration of a solution. It just means that I have solved the the pressure point of the problem, which was causing frustration and creating a block in any forward motion because I was unwilling to consider doing things differently temporarily. Okay. 
I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Now, the third piece of this, okay, so we're looking first holistically at our entire lives, acknowledging where we've already built mastery and recognizing that our definition of success is the addition of our new goal and not the demolition of everything we've already built while we're attaining said new goal. And then we're looking at the small tweaks that will allow us to insert this result inevitably into our lives by making it so doable on the daily without destroying everything else around it that it becomes inevitable that we follow through and thus in the long term get the result right so do you see how this is it's highly specific it's very leveraged it's laser focused but the overall approach feels much softer right like it's like walking into a doctor's office who is the greatest specialist in the world you know, and you're in this beautiful glass walled, you know, 32nd floor of some building and he is just absolutely brilliant or she, whatever, at, at figuring out the specific problem. And then after an hour long consultation, you have your diagnosis, you have your action plan, you have, you know, a way to manage all the symptoms or move into a cure. I don't know, but it's that kind of sense of that was so easy when we got laser focused on exactly the total picture of what we wanted and the tiny new changes to make the result inevitable versus walking into a giant gymnasium where someone is shouting in some kind of drill sergeant voice at a massive group of hundreds of different people who all have different lifestyles, different goals, different bodies, different biology, all of the things, and pushing yourself through something that isn't gonna work, therefore isn't gonna be sustainable, therefore is gonna be discarded and leaving you without the result. Okay. Now, the third piece of this concept of soft resolutions, soft laser focused (laughs) resolutions, actually effective resolutions, right? We figured out what is driving us nuts. What are our non-negotiables? Like one of mine being, I absolutely want to get podcasts out more often and I'm not going to let whether or not I have anyone in the position of being, you know, the hired person who helps me with that stop me from actually publishing it myself. (laughs) The third piece is mercy and grace as we recognize that what we've been doing has not been working, right? And this can be a tough one because when we finally identify the changes we do need to make, right? The shifts that are going to be necessary, the tweaks that do need to be put into place a lot of times, especially when it's effective, right? Like me being the problem with my podcast. (laughs) The problem is not them, it is me. When we identify and allow ourselves to be honest and identify what is really the stumbling block, a lot of times, my friend, it's us. It's us trying to do the same thing that hasn't been working. And that is not an invitation to think that if we beat ourselves up harder, then this time we'll follow through. This is not saying that we should guilt or shame or finger shake ourselves as if somehow scolding ourselves will create better performance. It never does. And it certainly doesn't in the long term. This is more about having the internal self-humility rather than rebelliousness or pridefulness or however you want to see it to say, I have been going about this in an ineffective way. And the answer isn't to blame other people. It's not to blame or beat up myself. And it's not to shove myself into someone else's system that isn't tailored 
like a laser to my specific life and my vision and definition of success and mastery. But I do have to wake up to the fact that doing things the way I have been has not been getting me the result that I want. And maybe again, my non-negotiable or my never again is to have that ego death breakthrough of recognizing that I've got to stop being so stupid (laughs) and do things a different way, a way that maybe I have mocked, I have (sighs) derided, I have avoided in every way that I can. And yet what I've been doing hasn't been working and I've identified myself as the linchpin, which determines whether or not I'm going to make forward motion or just stay in a cycle of blaming and berating and pushing too hard and then burning out. I am the keystone of this whole building, if you will. I'm the one who has to change. I don't have to do it dramatically, drastically, stupidly, draconianly. I need to do it specifically. But a lot of times that specificity means looking at a particular line of habits or beliefs even about certain behaviors and activities that I have held and letting them be put to rest because it has not been working. And do I have the humility to say, well, (laughs) the way that I was insistent on doing things is not an effective way, apparently, because I've tried it for a long time. And I now have the grace and the mercy to face myself and say, it's time to make this little change that might seem minute to some, but is huge to me, so that I can have the result that I want in the midst of the overall mastery and success that I already want to maintain, that I've already created, right? So my second example here, and I teased this a little bit in one of my Instagram stories for those of you who follow me there, is that I have put myself on an online dating site, my friends. I know. Now look, I've been a relationship coach for a long time. I've had many happy couples who have met, married, multiplied themselves with multiple children and are living the dream who met online. And I'm not going to lie, I still had not a judgment per se, but a silent prayer that I would never have to do that. (laughs) And of course, I had all kinds of quote unquote logical stories built around why I felt that way, right? One of them being that physical attraction is incredibly important to me. And while I value intelligence and connection and friendship and emotional health and all of the other things, if the physical attraction is not there and strong, we can just be friends, <laughs> right? And so I had always thought, oh my gosh, I, I can't I can't tell. You know, I can't even get necessarily a clear sense of the integrity or the uh, honesty of someone that I just talked to on the internet, right? So I've always feared it. And yet I also had to acknowledge that what I had previously been doing while it was beautiful and wonderful and led to all kinds of exquisite experiences and deeply valued bonds and incredible people and cherished memories and all of the things, it was not moving me toward one of my very primary goals, which is establishing a relationship and rebuilding a beautiful family. So I (laughs) 
took a baby step, okay? This was my small tweak that would fit into my current life. And I signed up for one site that is based in France. <laughs> now, partly because I think it would be so beautiful to live between California and France. That's always been one of my goals, to spend a lot of time in France and, and have a home base in the U.S. and California. And so why would I not go look for one of those two demographics? And starting in L.A. felt... Um, a little scary because I thought, oh my gosh, they could be like around the corner <laughs> and I've never done this before. So let's create a little more distance where they can't get to me in case these guys are weird. And so I started at a very far geographical distance and I have to say, friends, it is one of those grace and mercy things because I have had to eat my words. The results, quote unquote, that I have gotten as in the tangible movement forward toward this goal that I have is so dramatically different from what was happening from the various things I was trying before that I have to apologize to myself <laughs> for being so dogmatic that I would not do that ever at all unless it was absolutely the last you know ditch effort and that belief was standing in the way of me walking toward and actually making decent progress toward this very highly prioritized goal for me. So sometimes it's the beliefs and the behaviors and the habits that we are absolutely clinging to that we have the most strong and certain and I will not be budged on this stories around and I'm not talking about moral convictions or moral priorities or beliefs but instead those kinds of habits and behaviors that are not of moral importance but we've somehow built into our identity of what we just simply will not do <laughs> and it's almost like it's this little calcified mass inside of us that's blocking our well-being, right? If we're going to return to the doctor metaphor. And so instead of just bludgeoning our entire body, it's identifying this tiny little spot where we have this tightly gripped belief that just isn't working and yet we're clinging onto it so hard. And it's damaging the entire ecosystem of our life and well-being because it's the stumbling block of our own ego preventing us from having the goal that we say we want. Right. So when I was willing to put death to that story of I shall never get on an online dating site <laughs> and actually take the baby step on New Year's Eve of last year, I have been overjoyed to find out how wrong I was. And I'm fortunately at this point in my life comfortable enough being humble to say I was completely wrong. And my concerns have been wrong. These guys are like, well, we'll just meet really quickly. And if there's no physical connection, then we'll just stop. There's a, an entire ecosystem of this being done well. <laughs> it's like a parallel universe to the totally ineffective things I was doing. <laughs> and not to say that, you know, a different way of doing things is or isn't right or effective, but for the goal and for the desire and the strength of desire that I have, to continue to do things that weren't working or that, you know, we're creating beautiful experiences but not permanent relationships is stupid. <laughs> and fortunately, I'm willing to release 
the story and even the identity that I had around not doing things this way. And that releasing has allowed me to actually move forward much more quickly toward this goal. So my friends, whatever the laser diagnosis <laughs> that you give yourself of what little first domino stumbling blocks are creating these much bigger pictures of frustration because you're not getting a goal that you deeply want might be, I send you all of the courage because a lot of times it involves the ego death of acknowledging that we're holding on tightly to a belief to a rigid way of doing things, to a story, to a system, to something that just is not serving us because that rigidity is blocking us from the ultimate goal that we desperately want to bring into our lives while maintaining the beauty that we've already built. And so I offer you <laughs> as someone who put death to her ego and is loving the results, the final recommendation that on your path to your desired goal and this soft resolution method of getting there, you allow yourself to gently and lovingly look yourself in the mirror, acknowledge that some of those very tightly held things that you've been doing aren't working and that that's okay. You needed to experience the fact that they didn't work so that you'd be willing to release them and step into what does. And so now with the honoring of the beautiful life you've already built, the total definition of success that you have, the mastery you've already achieved, and then looking for the tiny tweaks that maybe are some of the hardest changes, even though they're the smallest changes, that are going to fit into your overall daily life and yet still move you effortlessly toward your ultimate goal, right? So you can see that it's not the size of the change, it's the specificity of the change. And the specificity of the change that's truly needed is often hidden in that little calcified story or belief or behavior that we have the tightest grip on and just won't let go, which often is a sign of kind of unhealth or out of alignment already, right? Otherwise, why do we, why are we so determined to not let anybody deter us or change our minds on that part? Usually when we're holding on to something that tightly, the story that we've built around it is protective and false. And we're willing to release the story and release the identity and tweak that tiny behavior because that's where the laser identified the problem is really beginning from, really stemming from then we don't have to make dramatic draconian changes. We just allow the life that's released from letting go of that tightly held little grip on that behavior or belief to ease and to release into the rest of the world we already love and live in and allow the change, the goal, the outcome, the desire, the achievement, whatever it is we want to so gracefully and graciously enter our lives that then we look back and wonder why on earth was I so insistent on holding on so tightly to what was getting me a result that I didn't want. And that is the beautiful, easy path into soft resolutions, into thanking God for everything we've already created with him, 
into refusing this absurd mentality of needing to just dramatically change everything immediately all of a sudden in every area of our life (laughs) and instead doing the much harder more specific and much more effective work of saying what tiny little core belief or behavior is the linchpin to me releasing and allowing at last exactly what I have so long wanted to step into my life with the ease as though it has literally just been waiting outside my front door. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension. This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, but if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped in femininity that is out there, that is possible, but that's incredibly difficult to find. Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into, to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. 
The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, we continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free. Let's set our families free. And let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.